We are in the middle of a series. Uh, who can tell me what series we're in the middle of? Up there. Digging deeper into Jesus, aren't we? And uh, what have we been looking at? The I am statements, haven't we? We've been working through the I am statements uh, throughout the Bible, uh, throughout John's Gospel specifically, because that's where they are. There's seven of them. Uh, we've done five. We're up to six today. And next week we'll hit seven. Uh, and so today we're going to be looking at one of the most famous of those I am statements. And uh, we heard that in Heather's talk, I am the way, the truth and the life. It is a, a, a phenomenal statement that we'll unpack uh, this morning. Uh, but I'd like to unpack it within the context because I think the context uh, gives us even more depth in this passage today. Uh, if I was asked you a question today, one question. And that question was, do you have any troubles in your life at this moment? I would be surprised, if you were being honest, if any of you said no. I would think that 99% of us here, there may be the odd person here who may be outside that realm, uh, but even if you're outside that realm, there would be a period in your life where you would have to say, there are times when you've been troubled. There have been times when you've felt things aren't going right, when there's been issues happening in your life, when there's been stuff going on around you where you've just felt either a little bit troubled or greatly troubled or even overwhelmed. Our hearts are troubled, aren't they? Regularly. And constantly, we are continually having things coming at us in this world that we live in, which is a broken and not a perfect world. There's stuff coming at us all the time. And uh, the older you are, the more you get to realise that. But that doesn't mean the older you are that it impacts you anymore. It impacts all of us at every age. And if you're on social media, uh, you can get troubled within the first moment you wake up. Because as soon as you open up your phone, there's been a Facebook post by somebody who said something that might have been about you or your friend and suddenly within the moments of even being awake, you get this hitting you, don't you? We, we get troubled. It hits us all the time. So where can we go for the answers to these troubles? Where can we go to someone who can help us in those troubles? Where can we go to someone who can deal with those troubles? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at how Jesus is the one that we're going to look at who deals with their troubles. Because you see, the context of this passage is where Jesus' disciples, his best mates, his number 12, his 12 best mates, who've been with him all the time, have just heard that he's about to die. That he's about to go to the cross. That he's about to leave them. And you've got to think about this, because these guys, 12 of them, have probably given up three years of their life. They have bet everything on Jesus. They've left jobs. They've even possibly left families. They've left the places that they live, their homes, everything they've given everything to him they've said you are the one now as we've heard throughout john they may not have completely worked out exactly what that looks like but they've said i'm giving up everything for you 
because they think possibly that this guy is the one that's been promised from years before that's going to save them and make their nation the best nation ever and get rid of the Romans who are all over them. They think they've bet on him and then the next minute, here they are and he says they're about, he's going to leave them. He's about to die. And if you go back and read chapter 13, they get worried. That's understandable, isn't it? If you've given up everything for someone and then the next minute you think he's going to be gone, you're going to be worried. But not only that, but one of his best mates, uh, Peter, Jesus has said in, verse, in chapter 13, right at the end of it, he says, you're going to betray me. You're going to leave me. You're going to deny me. Now, that would have been a worry too. Imagine you're the other 11 and you think, Peter, he's the strongest of all of us. He's the bloke that shoots his mouth off all the time. He's going to deny him? What about us? They're worried. They are extremely worried. Everything that they've bet on looks like it's going up. It's gone. And the one bloke who they thought would stay is going to deny. So that's where chapter 14 comes in today. And that's the passage that we're going to be looking at. And so that's the context because you need to know the context because it makes so much sense of what Jesus says now. And their hearts are troubled. They're worried. They're anxious. Life looks like it's going to go down the toilet for them. And then Jesus steps in in chapter 14 after saying that he's going to leave them, he's going to die. And this is what he says in chapter 14. These are the words that they hear. These are the words for us today with our troubled hearts, with our doubts, with our worries, with our concerns. Is Jesus a waste of time? Or is he the answer? That's the question that John 14 is answering for us this morning. So let's read it together. Um, Nat Chapman was on reading today, but because they've moved yesterday, uh, they're pretty crazy with what they've got going on. So I'm going to do that for us. So let's have a look at John chapter 14. It's on the screen. It's in your service sheet. Or if you've got a Bible that actually opens up, you can do that. Or if you've got a phone, flip to the app. You can use that as well. Uh, as long as you go to the app and you stay on the app and you don't go to Messenger or you don't go to Facebook or you stay on the app, that'd be really cool. All right, look at John 14, chapter 1 to 11. It says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, some passages have trust in God, trust also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? But I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you... I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, You will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. 
Jesus answered, don't you know, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you show yourselves the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the miracles. If you read through John 14, uh, you'll notice that uh, in about verse 23, 24, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says that in verse 1, doesn't he? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Verse 24, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You see what Jesus is speaking into here this morning? He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You see, the answer to a troubled heart is trust. The answer to a troubled heart is trust. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's easy. (laughs) And I'm not saying that we don't have moments where that goes a bit skewy on us. But Jesus says, doesn't he? He says, believe in me or trust in me. He says, trust in God, trust also in me. Believe in God, believe also in me. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust. Trust in me. And Jesus just doesn't leave it at that, does he? Uh, Remember in chapter 14 here, up to this point, the disciples have seen lots of stuff go on. And Jesus does say, don't forget what I've done in the past. That should help you. But here in this passage, Jesus comes in with something that's even deeper for them. He says, don't just believe in the miracles, but believe in what I'm about to say to you here. Because this is what will hold you in the middle of extra everything that's going on. Trust in me because I have a home for your heart. That's what he goes on to, doesn't he? He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. Because I have a home for you. Verses 1 to 6 are very famous parts of the Bible and you'll hear them often at funerals as well. Uh, They're a great passage because in it, Jesus says to us that the answer to a troubled heart is trust and you can trust me because I've got your eternity sorted. I have a home in perfection for you. Uh, last year, Corinne and I got, had the privilege to be able to travel and uh, had the opportunity to go away and spent six weeks travelling. Uh, and one of the places we went to was the Colosseum. Did anyone pick what that is? So that's in Rome. That's the Colosseum. That's where uh, many, many uh, Christians were killed. Uh, but in that travel, it, it's a phenomenal. You, you spend time travelling. It's an amazing thing to travel. It's a beautiful thing to travel. It's lovely, isn't it? You really enjoy it. Some amazing sights, some great things to see. But there's one thing that's missing. It's home. Is it? It's lovely to see all these sorts of things. But in the end, it's home where you want to be. Uh, we enjoyed it, but it's so nice to get back to that comfortable place where you're safe and secure and you're not battling with millions of other visitors and tourists 
how you're not battling with the flies or the mozzies or the crocodiles or, you know, all those other things. It's just safe, isn't it? Safe and secure in your home. And that's the picture that Jesus says here. Is that's the old saying, is a home is where the heart is. And Jesus is saying that he has the home for your heart, for you. He has it sorted for you. He says, doesn't he, in verse 2, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. The father's house is what he's speaking about. God's eternal home is what he's saying here. He says, this is the mansion, the place where you will live forever. Now, I'm hoping it's going to be even better than that. But that's not bad, is it? It's pretty nice. Uh, But the picture of it is that there is this wonderful, secure, safe place for you. And that there are many rooms. Notice he doesn't say, oh, there's a couple. He doesn't say there's 144,000 and they're all full. He says there's many of them. There's heaps of them. That's what he's saying. There's so many rooms here for you. And I want you to come to it. Uh, if you were there on Tuesday night when we had that, uh, the talk from Michael Ramsden, he talked about the banquet and he said send people out because there's more room. That's the picture here of God's home. There's so many places, so many rooms for you. And for those who don't know yet, it's never full. There's no, no vacancy out the front. It says open, Come. Because it's not a hotel. Do you notice that? It's not the Father's Hotel. You don't check in and check out. You come and you stay. That's what this home is. You come and you stay. That's why it's the Father's house. And it's not a castle either, is it? Castles are built to keep people out. Drawbridges come up, moats go in. Can't get across here unless you're right, no. No, it's a home. It's open. It's welcoming. It says, come in. That's the picture of God's eternity for those who know Jesus. That's the perfect home. And the perfect home is not just a building either because what does Jesus say about it in verse 3? If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. You know, sometimes we're a bit unsure about what eternity is going to look like and there's going to be a banquet and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be phenomenal. There's a home place for everybody. But what's most important about it is that you'll be there with Jesus. It's in his presence with him, the perfect saviour. That's what he's saying. I'm going to take you to be with me in my presence forever. In that beautiful place, in that banquet, that mansion, it's all there, but it's with me. He says, that's where I'm going. It's certain, sure, family home for eternity. That is the picture of heaven. That's what Jesus is saying to us. He says, don't be troubled. Trust me because I have all this for you. This is what I have for you. This is the place that you're supposed to be. And he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Now, it's not one of these. It's not a fixer-upper. Jesus isn't going back to this family home. Oh, man, I need to do a bit of uh, work over here. 
Do anyone know, know the Gaineses? Uh, they're actually Christians, these guys, and they've got a show called The Fixer Upper. And uh, they go in to houses and they sort them out. They go in and they work on them and they fix them up. Uh, but it's not like that. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not going up to fix up heaven for us. It's already perfect. That's not what he means by going to prepare a place for you. What he means is he's going to make the way for you. That's how he prepares it for you. He makes the way for you. Because this is, I don't know anyone who wouldn't want that perfect family home forever, would you? That is where we should be. And what Jesus means to go and prepare it for you means he actually makes the way for you to be there. See what Thomas says, doesn't he? Thomas said to him, Thomas is a great bloke. You've got, you've got a feel for Thomas, don't you, really? Wherever Thomas is in the Bible, he's always, man, I don't think that's right. I, I'm not sure about that. I don't believe that. You need to prove that to me, doesn't he? He always asks those questions. He's very inquisitive, old Thomas. Maybe he had ADHD or something like that. Maybe he was just fidgeting around and thinking, man, come on, Jesus, I need to know a bit more about this. And so he does that, doesn't he? Thomas, he gets rid of his fidget spinner for a little while and he, he, he gets it. Jesus! He says, oh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Actually, it's a great question, isn't it? Even though you think maybe he should have sorted it before this point, but it's a great question because it gives us a great answer. And the answer is the answer we all need to hear. And what does he say? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, we've been talking about memory verses, haven't we? Verses that uh, are good for us to have in our brains. Uh, last week we had a great memory verse, the shortest one in the whole Bible. Can anyone remember it? Jesus wept. I hope you remembered it. That's two words. Actually, that wasn't the one we wanted mainly to have, but if you have a memory verse, that's the shortest, so you should get it. Jesus wept. But we remember that was really important too because it showed Jesus' humanity, didn't it? That's a really important verse at the same time. But this one's a great one too, isn't it? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see... That family home has many rooms in it, but there is something that is actually blocking the way. There's a roadblock. There's a roadblock that stops us from going there. It's there, it's got a huge amount of rooms in it, but there's something that stops us getting there, and the thing that stops us getting there is us. It's our brokenness, it's our sin, it's our shame. It's our rebellion against God wanting to rule our lives and because of who we are and what we're like, because we are people who aren't perfect, we cannot enter into that perfect home by ourselves. You, you cannot get past that roadblock. That roadblock says that only perfection enters in here. There's lots of spaces here for you, but it's only perfection that enters in here. There's a roadblock. None of us can get over it. Now, that one looks pretty small, doesn't it? I thought you could probably just leap it, maybe just step over the top of it. But the roadblock that's there for you and I is that sin and shame and that brokenness within us, our rebellion against God, and only one person can deal with that because there's only one person who is perfect, and that's Jesus. 
You see, Jesus actually blasts open the roadblock because Jesus goes to the cross, the perfect one who didn't deserve any of this, who actually could walk into the presence of God, who was in God, it says earlier, and God was in him, who actually has that perfect relationship, who really could just go and spend time there any time he liked, decides that he loves us so much and that God loves us so much that he actually wants us there that he actually takes on that roadblock, he takes the roadblock in sin and death and shame and our brokenness and nails it to the cross so that we can actually enter in. If we trust in what Jesus has done, then we do come into the presence of the Father. Then that family home that we talked about is ours. That's why Jesus says he is the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He blasts open. He's the only one who can do it and it's only in him that we can go there. Uh, Just last week or the week before, I met up with my uncle and aunt. They're great. They've been travelling all around uh, up north and as they're coming home, they get to Balna and they ring me and they say, hey, Paul, we're at Balna. Can you catch up? Like, you know, it would have been nice to have had a day's notice or whatever. But anyway, we decide that uh, I can push a few things away. Uh, Les got shunted for a little bit, uh, a little bit later in the day to meet up with him and I went out to Woodburn to meet them. And we were going to have lunch, so I parked on the side near the pub and they actually did a UE and went round and parked on the other side for some reason. Tasmanians, you know, they do things a bit differently. They're my heritage. Uh, They parked on the other side of the road. And if you've ever been at Woodburn in the middle of the day, it's just (laughs) trucks and cars and everything going up and down that that road. It's hectic. And so they're on the other side of the road. And so to get across the road, they had to take on the traffic. Now... As I was standing there, I was just saying, yep, come across, I was on the other side, I was safe, I was over there. Uh, But my uncle and my aunt stood on the other side and my uncle reached out and grabbed my aunt's hand and led her across the road, the other side. Now, apart from that being romantic, I thought that was really cute. You know, they're in their 70s and here they are, he's just taking a hand. But it was a beautiful picture, I thought, of my uncle grabbing my aunt's hand and together they were led across to safety, to where I was. Uh, That's the picture here of what Jesus is saying to us. He's going to prepare a place, he's going to come back and he's going to take them to be where he is. Because he deals with the barriers. He clears the road. He takes out anything that can stop you from getting there. He deals with sin and death and shame so that we can be on the other side. He grabs our hand. And all we need to do is let him take it. And trust that. And he leads us into that perfection. Because he's the truth. He's telling us the truth. This is what he does. This is who he is. He's the person of truth. He Later on he tells us that the Father and I and I are the Father. He says, I'm the truth and I'm the life. I'm the one that's going to give you the life. It's me. But here the most important thing that they need to hear and we need to hear and what they're answering is, how do I get to this place, says Thomas. Jesus says, I am the way. Take my hand and I'll lead you to safety. Have you done that?
Jesus holds his hand out to you and he says, here, trust me and I'll lead you into this perfect place for all eternity. So you don't have to be troubled. One way, Jesus. He's the only way. It's a bold statement, isn't it? In this world that tells us there's multitudes, there's a plethora. It's a big word, isn't it? There's lots of ways. They say, yeah, just try a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, add a little bit of this, throw a little bit of this in, toss a little bit of that in. Jesus says in this one, one way. That's me. Trust me. I'll lead you to that place for eternity. That is so much good news. That is wonderful news. Can I encourage you, if you haven't done that that yet, do that. If you'd like to know more about that, then ask me about it. If you want to chat more about that, I'd love to chat more about that. If you've done that before, well, sit in the beauty of that and the peace of that and the untroubled heart of that. That's what Jesus is saying, isn't he? Don't be troubled. I have the perfect home for your heart, for you, for all eternity. Because I've made the way there by dealing with your sin and death. I am the way, the truth and the life. Don't be troubled. Trust me. Because, you know, in the end, what that means for you and I, isn't it, that... What's happening here and now is not the be-all and the end-all. This isn't where it finishes. Just don't go through this crazy, messed-up, broken world and that's it and we turn into dust and that's done, finished with. No, we have this perfection awaiting us. It enables and helps us to get through. It provides a hope, doesn't it, to keep moving through this broken world. That's why he's saying don't be troubled because I have this for you because I'm going to help you because you know disciples, it's going to get really hard for you and some of you are going to die. But actually me leaving you is the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. Can you read that? Maybe we should have done it a bit better for you. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, if I find myself, uh, if I find in my... Self-desires, which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Great quote, isn't it? I find in myself desires which this world, get it, this world does not satisfy, then the only logical explanation is I was made for another world. We weren't... This is only temporary, guys. We're only camping here. You know, we're here, but we're actually made for perfection for eternity. That's what we're made for. That's the place we want to be. You wonder why you're frustrated now? You wonder why you feel this world feels messed up now? Because this isn't where you're made for ultimately. This is the messed up version. We're going to be in the perfect version ultimately. And Jesus says, come with me. This is where I'm taking you. How cool is that? So don't be troubled, he says. Trust in me because I've got the perfect home for you. 
But he doesn't leave it at that, you know. Jesus doesn't leave it there. He goes on and he actually says, not only do I have that and that's going to help you, knowing that you've got an eternity, he helps you live in the present. But he actually says, I've got a home for your heart here in the, in the future, but actually I'm going to come and live with you now in the present. Now this is stunning news, okay. This is phenomenal news. I have a home for you for a heart for eternity. I provide the way to that home, he says. And then he says... Ah, it's missed. But it should have been there. Uh, he says that I'm actually got, I'm going to come and live with you now. If you go further on into John, it's a wonderful passage, a wonderful part of the Bible, and we can't pull every bit about. But I just want to come in now because some people say, well, well, that's all right that we've got the eternity bit, but what about the now? Well, Jesus says one, the eternity bit impacts the now because you've got hope now i've got it sorted for you but not only do you have hope in the future in over here but actually i'm going to come and live with you now i'm actually concerned about your now as well because we get troubled don't we we get troubled by lots of things we worry about our business we worry about our families we worry about our marriages we worry about raising our kids there's lots of stuff going on here and now we wonder how our community works and our world works and our political cycles work all those sort of things can come in and, and the future helps us realize that that's not the end and the be all but jesus says well actually no i'm still concerned with that now and i'm going to give you someone i'm actually going to give you me to help you live now Look what he says in John uh, fifth, uh, in verse 15. He says, If you love me, keep my commands. That's a re- we could pull that apart for a while too. But, and I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world can accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you on this world all by yourselves, guys. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. On that day you will realise that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Take that in. I've got a home for you over here. Attorney, it's there. Plenty of rooms. Come and join me on the way. But here and now, if you trust in me, if you are my family, then I'm going to make a home in you. Get how Jesus is playing the words? A home for you for eternity, but I'm going to have a home in you. I'm going to dwell in you. That spirit, that advocate, it's another helper. It's another me, in a sense, what he's saying. The spirit is actually Jesus who comes and lives within us. Now, that is a mind-blowing concept. And how do you picture that? I don't know. How do you explain that? I don't know. But the truth of it is phenomenal. It's saying that Jesus actually comes and lives within us. Maybe it's like this. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Our body is there. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Maybe it looks like that. The picture of the Bible, it says about the dove. Maybe it's like the dove within us. But the thing about it is that all of it is that it's actually a personal thing. It's a relational thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's the person, the Spirit of Jesus living in us. It's relational. It's personal. It's real that we're actually empowered by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus lives within us. I am still unable to comprehend that, I'm sorry. That is a phenomenal truth. 
God, it's a great thing to take away our worry, isn't it? And our trouble. Because in the middle of what's going on around us, Jesus doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't leave us to work it out by ourselves. He doesn't leave us just to flounder. He says, I am in you. And I'm going to be in you to help you with your marriage, with your kids, with your business, with your family, with your community, with your country. In every part of that, in everything we do, Jesus is there in us, helping us to live that out. Can anyone work out what that means? Yeah. It's a nice little, uh, nice little one, isn't it? Jesus, 24-7, 365. Jesus is with us 24-7, every moment of the day, every day of the year, every day of our lives when we have put our trust in him. <laughs> That's a wonderful company, isn't it? We don't walk into anything by ourselves, people. We don't walk into any circumstance or situation by ourselves. Jesus is with us in that. But sometimes I think it, we think it's just us. And when we think it's just us, we worry. And we get troubled. We get anxious. And it's not pretty. I did this thing about, uh, I don't know, a long time ago called Christianity Explained. Can you remember doing Christianity Explained? Great little course. Uh, it's still out there and there's uh, other versions of it. But one of the things that in Christianity Explained is a great thing. It talks about the Holy Spirit. And one of the, th- the illustrations that has stuck with me for so long about it, it says that when we know and trust and believe in Jesus, then the, the Spirit comes and enters our house, like the front door. He enters here. He's in the house. The Spirit is in the house. We could do hashtag Spirit in the house. Uh, that's us, by the way. It's not this building. Okay. It's not the arena. It's us. All right. The Spirit is in the house. When we trust and believe in Jesus, He's in there. But I reckon that 90% of the time He stays there. We, we say, yeah, come in. But we're going to keep you in the foyer. Let's just hold you there for a minute. Let's just leave you in this part of the house. We'll section that off. Maybe we'll do a bit of work. We'll cut that door so you can't get past it. We'll keep you over here. Uh, But really the idea of the Spirit is that he wants to invade every part of the house, all the rooms, all these rooms. They should be all completely covered, all of them, completely with Jesus in every part of our lives is what the illustration is saying. We don't just section him off and say, okay, this is a part of life I'm going to give over to Jesus and let the Spirit, he can work here when I'm here on Sunday morning. Just in this part, when I sing, you'll be good just for that little part. Or maybe, you know, when I'm at home and I'm reading the Bible by myself, just in this little part over here. Or maybe I'll let him into the toilet. No, 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 the idea here is that he invades the whole house. He invades all of us. He takes over every part of every room, every part, every aspect of it, that the Spirit lives in all of that and changes every part of our house. He does the best redecoration ever. Okay, he's got the best idea of what our house should look like, what we should look like, and his job is, his role is to make it look more and more like Jesus in our character. 
You see, God is ultimately on about your holiness, not your happiness. We live in a world that it says all about the happiness. Doesn't work, guys. It does not work. It does not satisfy. Because it never will. But holiness, becoming more like Jesus, what the Spirit is on about and what Jesus is on about for all of us. What a great part of the Bible, isn't it? What a fantastic passage. John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled, says Jesus. The answer to that is trust. Trust me like you trust God. Because I've got a heart for your home. A perfect, safe, secure home forever for you. And I'm the way there. I'm the one that takes you there. I clear the roadblocks for you. Put your hand in mine and I'm going to take you there. And before you get there, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan in this world. I'm going to come and make my home in you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please, Lord, make us believe by your Spirit the truths of what we've just heard, Lord. They are beyond compare. They are unbelievable, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, encourage us and build us up where we've been troubled and where we've been worrying and where we've been anxious, Lord. Help us to put our trust in you. Lord, where we've had unbelief, where we've had doubt, Lord, by your Spirit, invade every part of our lives and take that away from us, Lord. Encourage us and assure us that, Lord, you have our home in perfection, safe and secure forever. That, Lord, you will lead us there because you've made the way for us to be there. And, Lord, that here and now, may we know, may we experience, may we believe, trust that you've made a home in us, Lord, through your Spirit. Lord, please make us believe. In Jesus' name, amen.